Time now for the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Hi everybody, Tanner Hoops with you on this Thursday afternoon. We're joined by Jake Duran of Channel 3. Jake, as always, appreciate you taking the time stopping in. Oh, thanks for having me. I love being here, man. Well, uh, we've got plenty to talk about. There's been quite a bit going on here in the world of sports, even the last 24 hours. Uh, first and foremost, for the local baseball fans, uh, Milwaukee Brewers are one of the hottest teams in baseball right now, save for Colorado, and the Brewers clinch a spot in the postseason last night. First time since 2011 Milwaukee's in, and they're getting some help elsewhere in the division. Uh, last night the Cubs were able to knock off Pittsburgh. They win 7-6 in 10 innings, a walk-off victory at Wrigley, so they maintain the lead in the division. Brewers have the night off tonight. Cubs hold just a half-game lead. If Pittsburgh can win, we're looking at what almost looked unrealistic, unthinkable a week ago where Milwaukee would be in first place, or at least tied with Chicago for the NL Central. So exciting times for the Brew Crew. Yeah, I mean, if you're not a, you know, if you're a Tigers fan, obviously mm. they're in a little bit, bit of a rebuild mode. Um, I think it's about time to start uh, jumping on this Brewers bandwagon. Um, Milwaukee, they, they've kind of just been kind of hanging around in the division all year. Um, and it's just so funny how, how things work out, you know, with so many baseball games being played. And it'll come down right to the right to the end, but um, it's it's it, I mean it's a crazy time. Obviously, um, I'm rooting for the Brewers this playoffs. I don't necessarily have a a baseball team. I'm, I'm not like a huge huge baseball guy by any means. But um, you know, once playoffs come around, I try to try to root for either the Tigers or Brewers. So I'm gonna jump on the bandwagon. Um, everyone out there who who wants to join me, you know, let's go and let's see what happens. I think this is one of the uh, you know. Ex one of those exciting teams that you like to watch, and I'm just excited to kind of just see how this thing plays out. Well, uh, it's kind of hard not to root for the Brewers living up in this area, and they're so passionate about it up here, and that's what I love about them. And, you know, it's a Brewer fan base that has seen their team get so close, at least to uh, being a division champion the last how many years, and then they've fallen apart in the second half, and it's not the case this year. They're playing great baseball, and they look like they're going to be a for-real team going into October, but how big it would be to win that second division title your first in seven years and be able to avoid having that one game wild card because and I like that baseball did that because so much can happen and that uh, really forces you to try and win that division uh, get that little extra crown and I think Brewers have certainly been motivated to do that get themselves off the bubble and make the Cubs be the ones who have their backs against the wall Right, and you talk about getting so close and getting so close uh, year after year, um, and and when that you, you know that game comes around, if you don't win the division, you know the pressure that you might you might feel um, as a team to say, oh no, here we go again. Are we gonna? Is this gonna happen to us again? Um, but it's it's just been in the works here in Milwaukee. You know, you kind of saw them take little steps, little steps, little steps, and I just think it, it's it's just the time their time to kind of take that next step. And um, like, you, like you said, you know, they seem to have a lot of things going their way, and, and sometimes this works out for their favor. And, um, you know, I really hope to see them kind of get in and, and, and make some noise. Um, and I'm just looking forward to it. I think they have a really good offense. They're fun to watch, like I said. And, and uh, yeah, I think it's just an exciting time. You know, my, my dad's from Milwaukee, so um, I've been there. You know, I've, I've seen the stadium and things like that. So um, I can just imagine how it's going to be if the Brewers actually come in and, and make some noise in the playoffs. About time that we can quit calling Christian Yelich an MVP candidate and call him the MLB uh, MVP favorite. Yeah, I mean, he has been electric for the Brewers here down the stretch, and he's 
I don't want to say single-handedly getting them into the postseason, but he's certainly single-handedly getting them off the bubble. He was a great acquisition this year. Uh, him, Lorenzo Cain, the offseason. Curtis Granderson, a guy who came over midway through the year. Brewers front office has got to be sitting pretty as far as uh, being a finalist for front office of the year. Craig Council for manager of the year has got to be up there. Uh, they're going to be taking home some nice accolades, even uh, should their postseason run come to an end before the World Series. Right, and it just seems like they have all the ingredients. You talk about a guy who, who's basically a superstar player this year, who's been playing like it, um, you know, playing out of his out of his mind, really, if if that's what you want to say. Um, you know, we do the highlights on Local Three every time they play, and he's just one of those guys that that's just always out there making plays. And then the other guys, Kane and Granderson, these are all guys that have been around the block, and they're just solid guys who have experience who come in, and they're those guys that you can just kind of count on to, to you know be consistent and things like that. But anytime you have you know the pieces come together on the field, and then you're talking about the the people. The pieces coming together, you know, in the executives and, and things like that, and the general managers and everything just coming together, it just kind of seems like maybe this is the year that, hey, this m might be the year they actually get get somewhere. I'm not going to say they're winning the World Series. I don't want to, you know, jinx them or anything like that, but I just feel like this is one of those teams that is going to be a hard out in the playoffs. Meanwhile, you've got a new National League West leader, the Colorado Rockies, with six straight wins as they get hot at the right time. They have overtaken the Dodgers, who fall back to the second wildcard spot. St. Louis, the odd man out right now. They're one game behind the Dodgers for the wildcard. Uh, so this is going to be a really fun last, not even a week of the season, not even half a week, just a couple of days left in the regular season. Somebody's going to be the odd man out out in the National League. And Brewers fans, I'm sure, won't mind seeing St. Louis being the ones that do it. Uh, but in my mind, there's no team in the National League that has more pressure on them right now than the Dodgers because they have been right there for how long they should have probably, uh, they've had the roster to win it for how many years now in a row, and they haven't. They and I don't think they're going to do it if they don't do it this year. I think this might be the most talented roster out of all the teams they've had in the last four or five years. And they may not even make the playoffs at this point. So I think all the pressure's on them right now. Teams like uh, Milwaukee, Colorado, uh, St. Louis even throw them in there. And Atlanta, they're all performing ahead of schedule where people thought they were. They're already exceeding expectations. Cubs have already run a World Series here in the last couple of years. Uh, for me, all the pressure's on the Dodgers right now. Yeah, I think they're 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 the ones in the spotlight. Like you said, they you see them every year making these huge acquisitions. But sometimes talent and, and roster talent doesn't always equal, you know, the the big prize. And that's that, that, that's just how sports goes, really. Um, but I do agree. I really like the Rockies. Um, I don't know a lot about their team. Uh, our weatherman at our station is uh, a Rockies, you know, supporter. So, you know, he's always talking about Colorado here and there. But um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 going to be a good uh, finish to the season. I know the MLB is loving it. Um, it's just going to be interesting interesting to see. I do I do like the Rockies in that that division over there, and um, it's just going to be interesting to see what would happen to this Dodgers team if they don't get it done. You know, now what? You know, what's next for them? I don't know. Well, I tell you what, let's switch gears. Let's go to the NFL. Uh, we might have a NFC Championship preview coming on tonight. Seven thirty start. Rams and Vikings in Hollywood. I'm jacked for this game. I think this is the best, uh, certainly Thursday night game. It's going to be among the best that we've seen in the entire NFL schedule up to this point. Uh, Vikings get absolutely slobber knocked on Sunday by a bad Buffalo team. Uh, it turns out they're dealing with a lot of uh, 
you know, player personnel issues, the whole Everson Griffin fallout, what have you. Uh, the Rams, one of the best teams in football. I think they're even better than they were last year. They have a brilliant young head coach. Reminds me a lot of Brad Stevens and what he is to the NBA. Uh, so I'm excited for this matchup because the Vikings, they're going to bounce back. I think they'll, uh, I don't know if they'll win, but they'll, they'll put up a better fight than they did on Sunday. Uh, there's a lot to like in this matchup. Yeah, I mean, these are two really good teams. I really hope this isn't an NFC uh, Finals or <laughs> NFC Championship. I hope the Green Bay is in there, uh, maybe taking on the Rams. But um, it's going to be interesting, interesting to see because, obviously, Minnesota suffering probably one of their worst losses in, in, in franchise history, you mm -hmm. could even say, to a Buffalo Bills team that, you know, they had a player retire at halftime a week prior to this game. And then they come out and let let a rookie uh, quarterback just kind of just, just – slice through them basically um a defense that is supposed to be one of the best in the nfl um it's gonna there's gonna be some interesting things to watch for i, I want to see how Kirk cousins um handles that defense um you know this is a guy that got brought over he got paid big bucks to be that that x factor and that guy to take this team to the next level and i'm i'm just not sold 100 percent on Kirk cousins just yet um obviously that run game is it's questionable uh dalvin cook's shown when he's there he's he's pretty good but against this stout rams defense you know i don't know it's going to be kind of crazy to see if they can actually move the ball on this Rams defense. I'm really sad that um, Aqib Talib, Talib is going to be going to be out of the game. Obviously, Marcus Peters is yeah. another guy. You know, I wanted to see those two guys kind of lock down those corners. So um, I do expect Minnesota to attack that secondary. You know, they have to. They, you got to, especially if your run game is struggling. So I do expect um, to see a much better game out of Stephon Diggs, who I have on my fantasy team, yeah. and those who play fantasy. He only got me three points, and that's that's not good enough. So I do expect him to bounce back. Adam Thielen, Thielen obviously bouncing back, and um, maybe they, they got to find a third receiver. I mean, uh, Treadwell basically lost that game mm -hmm. or made that game a tie against Green Bay. So thank you, uh, thank you there, uh, Laquan Treadwell. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, there's I mean, there's just a lot of things going on. And then obviously Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, and that offense. You know, they can explode. What do I expect to happen? This might just be a defensive game. Mm -hmm. You know, the two pretty good offenses but we might actually just see just a straight defensive you know matchup and i'm okay with that um so it's gonna be interesting to see this game could go either way i think but i think the rams they're just on another they're just on another tier i think you know that home you know is it at is it it's in l.a in st louis it's, or in, in l.a okay it's in l.a I, shoot i didn't want to say that wrong um if you know yeah the rams are gonna be at home obviously they got a lot of momentum um jared goff is playing lights out who would have thought Jared Goff, after his first rookie year, was going to be like this? I mean, Sean McVay coming in there, um, it, it was absolutely just a kind of just a you know a blessing in disguise with him. Um, obviously, McVay being one of the brightest young minds in the NFL and just able to um, kind of make Jared Goff you know what he should be and um, you know develop him into a really good quarterback. So um, we're going to have to see if Cooper Cup and company. I think Brandon Cooks is is out as well. Um, I think I read that, too. So it's going to be interesting to see, man. It's going to be a good matchup. Well, uh, for Wade Phillips, he's getting one of his most stout challenges because you talked about Kirk Cousins, and I agree. I'm not totally sold on him. I think he has everything you want in a quarterback working in that system, but I don't think he's reached his uh, full potential with Minnesota yet. Uh, tonight would be about as favorable of a matchup maybe as you're, uh, you could hope for. You've got two of the best uh, defensive backs in football for St. Louis out of the game. You've got two of the best receivers in football uh, going up against backups. So I think in a way, uh, Kirk Cousins will 
have his opportunity to step back as long as that line holds up, which isn't always a given for the Vikings, then Cousins is going to have a field day. So what does Wade Phillips need to do on the defensive end for Los Angeles? Uh, pressure. Uh, for me, all I see is blitzes all night. Defensive from- line. I, you got to get those ed- edge rushers in Kirk Cousins' face. Mm-hmm. You have one of the best defensive lines in football. Mm-hmm. I mean, tell them to pin their ears back and go. I think that's the one thing they need to do. I think that's going to obviously help a good pass rush on the defensive line, helps that secondary. Um, so I think when you're Wade Phillips, I think you just stay aggressive. Don't let Kirk Cousins get some time because when he gets some time, he's shown he can find the receiver. He can make plays with his feet. And you don't want him to get that confidence. If he gets that confidence, then then you're going to have a, a battle on your hands. But I think if early on, if you really get into his face, you know, kind of um, show your presence there early and say, hey, we're not going to make this easy. We're going to try to, you know, hide some schemes and stuff on you and just – kind of confuse him a little bit. I think it's going to make it tough, especially when you're talking about a loud place um, in L.A. there. You've got uh, Dan Bailey, who came over after Daniel Carlson's meltdown against Green Bay. And Vikings were excited about that. Vikings fans, as they should be. Dan Bailey, I, in my opinion, should never been let go by Dallas. And Vikings fans were optimistic, thinking, well, we've got a strong kicker now. We've got a good enough defense, a capable offense. We should be back to Super Bowl aspirations. And then Buffalo comes out, punches them in the mouth, and it turns out Bailey uh, was a non-factor in that uh, that contest on Sunday. So now we really get to see if or how the Vikings special teams or kicking game have improved uh, because you get the feeling that may be what it comes down to in a defensive battle like this we're going to see tonight. I mean, if you just think back <clears throat> to these Vikings, these, these really big Vikings games, you know, big games that they've been in and just how many times has Blair Walsh missed, you know, just a chip shot field goal or, you know, just missed, missed opportunities for, for Minnesota. And I think that's their Achilles heel once again for some reason. Um, some teams just can't get their kicking game going. And um, I do agree. I th- thought Dan Bailey was one of the better kickers. You know, we always like to call him a, a, amongst our, my group of friends Butter Bailey because mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's just he's consistent. Um, mm-hmm. And he can kick, kick the ball for forever. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, you know, it, he very much mo- – very well might be the X factor in winning the game tonight if this comes down to the fourth quarter and, and it's close. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see because if you know if he doesn't hit a, a, a tough field goal and you know do something, then there's going to be rumblings again like what's happening here. Um, so I don't know. We're going to have to see. You have a prediction for tonight's game? I think the Rams are going to win it. Mm-hmm. I think they'll win it. Uh, I just think with Gurley and Goff, it, the way he's throwing it and he's been protected pretty well. Um, that offense is really hard to stop. I mean, when you can just hand it off to, you know, I, arguably, I think he's the best running back in the league. Um, it's it's going to be tough to tough to beat. Um, so I'm going to say I'm going to say the Rams win it. I'm going to say it's going to be somewhere like 17 to 24 LA. I'm thinking it's going to be 13-10 St. Louis. I see it as a three-point game. It could go either way, a, a three-point decision. Uh, it's just hard for me to go for with the Vikings after what happened on Sunday. I think they still need some time. I think this is too quick of a turnaround. I know that can be a good thing to get the you know Sunday's loss out of your mind, but I think it's too quick of a turnaround. I think they're still dealing with fallout from Everson Griffin, and the Rams are a good team. So I don't know. I just it, for me, it's hard to see the Vikings winning this game. Um, I'm expecting a good one, though, either way, and I think that's what we're what we're going to get. And I also want to say one thing. Their defense hasn't looked as good as it's been. No. Minnesota's. A minute, last year, Minnesota, it was a scary defense. Mm-hmm. You know, you could not move the ball on them. First few weeks of the season, I, I haven't seen that. 
that that edge that they used to bring and and, and things like that. So you're kind of wondering what happened there. I know they don't have a lot of personnel changes. I don't even know if they have any personnel changes from last year. So you're wondering when you're going to actually see that that Minnesota defense that you know has that attitude and stuff like that. So uh, will it be tonight? We're going to have to wait and see. We've got Jake Durant from Channel 3 in studio with us. We'll take our first time out. We'll come back. We'll have more on the NFL this week. This is the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Don't forget the Pigskin Payday is back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for $100,000 in grand prize money. Only at Ojibwe Casino in Barriga and Marquette. Tanner Hoops joined by Channel 3's Jake Durant. Uh, continuing on with our NFL saga, Earl Thomas is the latest player to have a fallout with his team. Uh, did not practice yesterday. The Seattle defense... Uh, Legion of Boom has become Legion of Whom. Uh, you don't recognize anybody there anymore. And Earl Thomas just seems to want out of it. Seattle's certainly not what they used to be. Uh, they're not going to be a contender this year. And where does Earl Thomas go? What do, what do you do with this? I mean, when if you're Seattle, obviously you're in rebuild mode. You have all these young guys on your defense. I don't see, you know, you have a disgruntled player. Why not get rid of him and, and just get a pick and, and continue this rebuild? I don't think you have a shot at the Super Bowl this year. There's too many good teams in, in the NFC for you to get out of there. Russell Wilson hasn't even been playing that great. He's out there running around not knowing what's going on, um, you know, just trying to do too much. And who's it, your running back? You don't really have Carson. a running back? Yeah, uh-huh. you, you take, you got, uh, who did they draft? They drafted Penn. Rajad Benny, um, who, who was a reach, obviously mm-hmm. in the first round there, late in the first round. Um, so I don't know. I, you know, they built that team before they they became that dynasty with players, you know, who had that edge and things like that. And and they they really made their money on those late round picks. But it doesn't seem like they've really been hitting on anyone um, in these last few years. You know, going with that same philosophy. Um, so it, it just makes so much sense for them to to get rid of Thomas right now. Um, obviously, you see him in the media saying, "I'm not practicing." You can find me. I'm not doing this. I'm going to make sure I'm healthy. Um, I'll go out and play Sunday, but other than that, you're not going to see me around. And I don't blame him. And in the last few games, he's been amazing. So if you're Seattle, I'm saying his value is as, about as high as it's going to get. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're talking about a, a older safety who uh, you tend to see these guys kind of drop off a little bit at his age, but he's playing at, you know, still playing at a high level. You're still going to get value with him. I don't see why you don't get rid of them. And a perfect fit, I might add, is uh, the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. Um, Green Bay, I mean, look at them. The, the one weakness I've seen, okay, there's a lot of weaknesses on that defense. That defensive line is questionable. Um, even their linebacking core is questionable. Um, but that secondary needs some help. The one guy that's been getting burned every week is Kentrell Bryce. He saw Stephon Diggs burn him um, in that Vikings game. And then you saw... Um, who was it? Jordan Reed was just on fire, burn, you know, burning Bryce. And, and um, Josh Doxson, you know, the Washington receivers weren't that good. But they, the Packers secondary made them look really good. Um, and then obviously you have Bryce falling on Muhammad Wilkerson and blowing up, you know, breaking his ankle, and there, there it is. So I think Earl Thomas would be a perfect fit there uh, in Green Bay. I don't see Green Bay has two first-round picks. It just makes so much sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, bring Earl Thomas in. Get a bona fide superstar next to Haha who can make plays for you. He can be that veteran leader. He's an emotional guy who's going to really bring that secondary up another level. And he's respected. Those young guys in Josh Jackson, Jair Alexander, Kevin King, um, and, and guys like that. I think bringing Earl Thomas in, I think, I mean, it's nothing but good coming out of that. 
Um, so I don't see if, why, if you're Green Bay, why not give them the Saints' first-round pick and throw somebody else in there and, and make it happen and, and make the Super Bowl run. I just don't, I don't, see, I don't see what the issue is. Green Bay never wants to do anything. I, I think they should still get Le'Veon. They have a, a lot of mo- very decent runners, but they're still 26 in the NFL in rushing. Why not bring Le'Veon over if you can? And just make a run at it. You talk. You always hear Green Bay. The window's closing with Aaron. Aaron's getting older. You need to make moves. And uh, Brian Gutekunst, he's been making decent moves, but he hasn't made that big move. You know, mm-hmm. that big free agent signing that's really going to take this team over the top. Um, so, like I said, I'm just uh, waiting on Earl. I really hope James Conner c- continues to, you know, be a factor. So maybe Pittsburgh wants to get rid of him. I'm just being a Packer fan and, and being hopeful. Obviously, I don't think it's going to happen, but. If they did it, I'm just saying, it could really, really make a difference. So let me ask you this. Would you rather spend those two first-round picks in a trade for Earl Thomas or Le'Veon Bell? Would would you have to give up both for Earl Thomas? I think you have to. You would have to give up both, you think I, so? If I were Seattle, that's what I'd be asking for. What if they gave? What if they just offered like one, and then maybe like a second rounder or something, or like a player? Maybe? I still feel like you can get a better deal if you're yeah. Seattle. So two round two. Uh, I mean, I would do it for Le'Veon. Mm-hmm. I'd give up those two first round picks, um, just because Le'Veon he can do so much. Like he'd be so deadly with Aaron coming out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's obviously a good uh, receiving back, the best I think you could say, um, and he he could run the ball. I think it, having Aaron under center, having Le'Veon Bell in the backfield, that'd be unstoppable. Absolute unstoppable. I don't care what you say. If you want to rush Aaron Rodgers, just have him dish it off to Le'Veon and then have him do work. I mean, it would be absolutely unstoppable. Um, with Earl, though, it's more a little bit more question. He's a little bit older. You know, he's been beat down a little bit. Um, you're obviously taking a chance. He might not, you know, resign. Um, so that that's a little bit more in question to me. Would I want to do that? If I could get him with just one of those first-round picks and, and maybe something else on the side, if, if Seattle was willing to do something like that, um, maybe I would do that. But two first-round picks for Earl, I think, is just a little too much for me. Where, uh, where, where is the most likely landing spot for a guy like Le'Veon Bell? Does he, does he uh, bite the bullet and go over to New York, put on a Jets uniform, maybe uh, wait this out until Pittsburgh is done? I mean, you saw what James Harrison said. He should fake an injury. I mean... It, this is one of the all-time Steelers greats talking about uh, something as serious as that. Uh, so what do you do if you're Le'Veon? I mean, they're open to trading him. Uh, where does he go and how much say does he have in it? You know, as this thing goes on, it's really it's crazy to even kind of imagine him going back to Pittsburgh with everything that has happened, the kind of the fallout. You talk about James Harrison, the all-time, one of the all-time greats. He had a really bad fallout with Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. um, you know, and now he's kind of going on to Le'Veon's side and, and – trying to give him some advice. I don't know if it's great advice, but um, I think New York, obviously the Jets have been kind of a team that's been in the running for him. I could definitely see him mm-hmm. playing for the Jets. I could see him playing for the Dolphins. Um, Green Bay is a team that's in there. Um, I think the Oakland Raiders were a team that mm-hmm. might want him. I don't think they'd sign Le'Veon Bell because they just got rid of Cleo Mack. They'd have to sign Le'Veon back for like the exact contract. Mm-hmm. So that would really make no sense in my eyes. Um, but I think, I think New York is one of those teams that, that could definitely have him. Obviously, he went to the Jets. He'd be their best best player um, right off the jump, and he, he would get his touches and things like that. I think his best fit's in Green Bay. I'm not even being a biased Packer fan. Mm-hmm. I think right now, um, if you're Le'Veon and want to win a, uh, a ring or have the best shot at win, winning a ring and then obviously playing well and, and getting paid next season, I think Green Bay just makes sense to me. I don't know. So uh, if you're Le'Veon, you talked about – 
what would it look like if he went back to Pittsburgh? Uh, I, I'm no expert on what an NFL locker room is like, but I, I wonder how tough it would be for guys like that to accept him, to have him come back after holding out for that long. And, it, you know, I think people understand why they do it. Uh, you know, he wants the money he feels he deserves. Uh, he knows he's putting his body at risk for permanent damage, and the lifespan of running backs in the NFL is just not, not long. It's, uh, you know, longevity is an issue for him, and he wants to make sure that he is financially secure for the kind of lifestyle he wants for the rest of his life. Uh, but will the other players see it that way? Right. I mean, you're exactly, you hit the nail on the head. With a running back, you really have only one opportunity for one of these big contracts when you're talking about being an elite running back. And I think Le'Veon has, has done his due diligence signing this franchise tag you know, for several years. I think he deserves to get paid. Um, sometimes I think the media might paint out the, the rift in the locker room a little bit more serious as it might be. Um, but, but I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to depend on the, what, when he goes back and how Pittsburgh is playing. If Pittsburgh is losing games and they're not living up to expectations, I think they'll be a little bit more prone to just welcoming, welcoming, welcoming him back um, with open arms. But just the way this offensive line was talking trash about him and things like that, like to the media, knowing he was going to hear it, um, the Pittsburgh fan groups and things on social media, and you hear him responding, um, you know, commenting back and, and saying like he feels disrespected, like he's not appreciated and things like that. You know, I just think if James Conner can just keep it up, he's just another one of those things where I think they're, both sides are kind of just better off to just kind of split and go their separate ways and, you know, the Steelers are going to get a lot for him if they trade him. They're going to get they're going to get a lot. So, um, I guess it all it all depends really um, on on what what the both sides are going to when and how much uh, the the Steelers are winning or losing. That's what it's going to depend on. Well, the Steelers had a much needed win on Monday night. They're a team that I'm still not convinced about. I still don't think they're going to make the postseason in their current state. Uh, just way too many variables with them, not enough consistency, too many hotheads on that team, and Mike Tomlin just doesn't have uh, enough control of the locker room right now. A good game, though, on Monday night against Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Buccaneers, a good segue into uh, our next topic. Uh, who should be quarterback for Tampa Bay? In my mind, uh, you have to go with the hot hand, Fitzpatrick, and he struggled there around the second quarter Monday night. He got it back, and you know he led his team to... Uh, within three points and you know a near win so in my mind it's his job to lose right now so let me ask you this is there anything Jameis can do to win the job back or is he just waiting for the bottom to fall out with Fitzpatrick at this point I think he just has to kind of wait go into you know practice and just be consistent and show that you know he can still be that that guy um, but I do agree with you. It's Fitzpatrick's job, even in that loss versus uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, it was disappointing that you know they didn't come out. That, you know they scored right off that opening drive, and you're like, wow, this is like actually for real. But then that Pittsburgh defense kind of took over for a little bit. But he, he showed that Fitz magic again. You know, obviously he's playing some of the best football that anyone has been playing since the season started. Um, but I, I keep telling people, I've seen this script before, I've seen this movie before. There's been years where he comes out and has a, a solid five or six games, looks unstoppable, and then, you know, he just lo loses it. I don't know what it is. Loses the magic, I guess you can say. Um, so I'm just kind of waiting on that. I think Jameis coming in, it's good competition, obviously, but I think the locker room's behind Fitzpatrick right now. I don't see how you cannot. This has been one of the hottest teams in the league. They've been talked about as one of the strongest teams in the league. I don't think anyone really saw it coming in that division. Um, and realistically, they should be undefeated right now. So 
right now you got to kind of let it let it ride with Fitzpatrick and just kind of see if he can hold it hold it together. Um, I hope he does. I, I like Fitzpatrick. I you know, he's a Harvard guy. Um, you know, been around the league. I think he's been in the league for like 14 years. Um, and he, you know, he deserves everything he gets. He has a really good connection with the receivers. I feel with Deshaun Jackson and and Mike Evans. They kind of got some good chemistry going. And you know, I think it was just a team loss. Uh, you know, just all around um, uh, against the Steelers on Monday. He has thrown for 400 yards in each of the first three games. I mean, you can't sit him right now. And I'm I'm with you. I don't think it's going to last. I think at some point he's going to come back down to earth. Say he doesn't though, and he just does succeed in this Tampa Bay system. Dirk Cotter's put in. And he continues to put up outstanding numbers, maybe not 400 yards all 16 games, but he continues to impress and earns the starting quarterback role. At what point uh, do you start to give Jameis some snaps? Because in my mind, you have to get him some snaps this year because Fitzpatrick at age 35 is not the long-term solution. Jameis Winston is. He's the future of the franchise, and you have to get him some action this season. At what point does that happen? I mean, if you're winning and things like that, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. You, you got, uh, you know, Jameis Winston's in the media right now saying all the right things. He's saying, you know, as long as we're winning, I have no problem being the number two guy. And, and that's really all he can say right now. Um, I saw I saw Jameis play in Green Bay uh, the last time the Bucks was last year or the year before. He looked terrible. Mm-hmm. He looked terrible. He was missing wide open guys, uh, you know, in the red zone, turning the ball over. Um, you know, had a, had a key fumble in the red zone. They were driving, uh, and the Packers scooped it up and were able to score. Uh, Dean Lowry chucked 80 yards and scored. Um, so it, 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 it all depends. Jameis is just one of those guys that you just – he's hard to understand. I mean, mm-hmm. off the field he does some questionable things, and then on the field, you know, he, he can look really, really good, but then he has his moments where he just makes the wrong decisions and turns the ball over. But, I mean, if you're winning – in your Tampa Bay, I don't. You can't. You can't really give them snaps. Sorry, you know we're winning, and if Jameis is happy that they're winning, then that's what you got to do. Um, and Jameis is gonna, just going to have to sit back and, and just kind of wait for his time. Last thing before we go to break: thirteen touchdowns, an NFL record, no picks through the first three games of the year. Is Patrick Mahomes the best quarterback in the NFL right now? I'm gonna. I'm gonna say the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Um, right now. Right now. Mm-hmm. It's hard to argue. Through three games, yeah. Through three games, I mean, it's hard to argue. It's really hard to argue. I mean, who else is putting up those kind of numbers? He's mm-hmm. been super impressive. I think he's kind of a product of, of the team he's on. I mean, you're talking about just crazy weapons you got. Mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey there. You got, you know, Hill there. Um, Kareem Hunt. Um, I think he's it's just you found a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. And this guy is just gaining confidence. I say right through three games right now. I think he's the he's the best quarterback. Drew Brees has struggled. Aaron Rodgers has struggled, obviously with his injury. You saw t- Tom Brady struggle there in Detroit, mm-hmm. and and Mahomes is out here just gunslinging like everyone thought he was. So I think right now you got to give it to Patrick Mahomes as the best quarterback in the league, and that's that's saying something. I think um, Kansas City really really hit the nail on the head with that with that draft pick. And they brought him up right too. They didn't try to put the pressure on him as a rookie. Uh, they let him take the year to play behind Alex Smith. Andy Reid manages time well. And it worked out. Hey, I mean, teams have to see this and say this is the route we have to take. We can't be throwing these guys in and getting their confidence destroyed. Um, you got to try, try to play it as best as you can with trying to get these guys in there and learning the system, getting comfortable and acclimated, and don't let these guys go out there and get their you know, their confidence broken right off the jump and, and, and diminish their skills and their mentality. Um, I think that's the route to take. You saw it with Aaron sitting behind Brett. Mahomes got to sit and kind of learn and, and wait for his time. So, um, 
yeah, I think that's the way you gotta you gotta go. And um, Kansas City is gonna be a tough out. I don't believe in Kansas City because every time they hit the playoffs, I don't know what happens. Mm-hmm. They forget how to play football. So until I see it in the playoffs, I'm not gonna go ahead and, and say Kansas City is one of those teams that I'm gonna I'm gonna think is gonna come out of the out of the AFC. I think I think it's Jacksonville's division to lose. Mm. We've got uh, Jake Durant in studio with us. We'll take another time out, and we'll have more coming up on the Sports Pen, the ZSPN-UP, the ESPN-UP mobile app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops joined by CBS Channel 3's Jake Durant. And a reminder that Pigskin Payday is back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize. Only the Jibway Casino in Barriga and Marquette. Well, transitioning into a little bit of college football. Uh, Plain to light coming up this weekend, as always. Uh, Urban Meyer back on the sideline last week. Team didn't seem to miss a beat. Oklahoma got taken to the wire by Army. Uh, Clemson, Notre Dame made changes at quarterback. It worked for both of their offenses. And now Kelly Bryant is thinking about transferring. Let's start with that. Um, you know, I understand he wants to play and everything. He's a guy that brought his team to the college football playoff last year. And this move surprised me quite a bit because right now I think Clemson is the only team uh, close enough to where Bama is, is a perennial dynasty. I don't know if he's, his goal is to win a ring or if it's just to be a starter because it's about as good of a chance as he has to play somewhere and win a ring because it's not like he's going to be riding the bench the rest of the season. He'll continue to get snaps. I'm not sold, honestly, on a freshman quarterback that started over him due to injury. He tore up Georgia Tech, and that's what everybody does. I'm just, I think this is a premature move. I think it is, too. I think it's its just too early. Um, and I just don't think maybe winning a ring is that important to him. Obviously, he only has so much time left in his college football career. Um, and maybe his aspiration is to get to the next level. He wants to put some tape down in his senior season. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. This is a freshman. Um, it just is too early. It's too early. Um, but the guy coming in, he had he obviously had a lot of buzz around him, showing he can he can be that guy, um, you know, early on. So I can kind of see where he, he's going. And obviously, uh, Clemson fan base very disappointed um, to see him go. But you know, some of these guys, you know, they see they their ego gets hurt and they just want to they just want to leave the situation. I think this is one of those things where you know he probably wasn't expecting to. to you know, lose that job, he did, and now he's kind of just like, I'm, I'm, I'm done, and so he's gone. Um, it's unfortunate for Clemson um, because you never know. Injuries happen, things like that happen, and, and now if that does happen to their starting quarterback, then, then what? You know, you're not going to have him to be there to be that guy to fill in and, and be that guy with experience. So um, it's, it's, it's unfortunate for Clemson. It's, it's unfortunate for Bryant, who's, you know, done a lot for that program. So hopefully he can go somewhere and find some success, but he's not going to go to a team, I don't think, that's going to really have an opportunity to kind of challenge, like you said, Alabama or even Clemson for that matter. Let me ask you this. What does a guy like Jalen Hurts at Alabama think when he sees a situation like this, a guy who got his team to last year's national title only to get benched in the championship game? Uh, Tua comes in, leads his team to the title, and he's been the starter all year. Hurts, in my opinion, has handled it very well professionally, and not just because he stayed at the school that benched him. It's uh, because, you know, the way he's handled it, sticking up for his teammates, his program, his head coach, what have you. Uh, what's he thinking in a situation like this? You know, he, he's – it with Hurts, you know, I think his situation is a lot more 
um, set in stone. I think Tua is, is a guy that obviously has shown he's he can do it. He can, he's obviously led his team to the championship and things like that. So with Hurts, I think, you know, he's being more loyal, obviously, to his program. I think it kind of shows his character. I think in the long run it'll, it'll it just shows that, you know, he's just a loyal type of player. He's kind of waiting in the wings. I think he might just have faith that, um, you know, he wants to be there in case – Tua goes down. I mean, like I said, injuries happen and things like that. But I'm sure he's looking at that uh, Brian situation and saying, hey, he's, he's doing what's best for himself um, and, and what he believes is best for, for his career and things like that. And, um, you know, everyone's different. Everyone's situation is different. I don't know. Maybe Nick Saban is promising some things or something like that. But uh, legal, of course. Everything legal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, um, every situation is different, man, and every person's different. So, um, Hertz is feeling he's doing what's best for him, and Brian he's doing what what he feels is best for for his situation. So I mean, everyone's different. Places that uh, Kelly Bryant would be a great fit at quarterback. Uh, does anything come to mind for me? I can think of a few Big Ten schools that I think uh, he would fit in nicely with next year. One of them being Penn State. I think he'd do really well up there playing for a guy like James Franklin. Uh, give him a little more dynamic after uh, after a guy like Trey Sorley. Uh, Mick Sorley, um, yeah, I think that would be a good place for him. I, I'd kind of like to see him on this year's Wisconsin Badgers team, to be honest with you. Uh, I know he's a different style quarterback than Alex Hornibrook is, and they've already got a guy who could run the football in Jonathan Taylor, but I'd kind of like to see an option-style offense with Brian at quarterback and then Taylor in the backfield. Uh, to me, I think that'd be a dream come true for Paul Chris, but those are just a few places that come to mind uh, as far as where a guy like uh, Kelly Bryant would be not only useful but impactful. Uh, any, anyone come to you? I mean, I think those, yeah, those two programs there in the Big Ten, um, I don't want to see him get, go to either of those teams, <laughs> to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, I guess it, it's you got to kind of look at situations, um, quarterback depth charts, um, teams that might be losing, losing quarterbacks next year that he might want to be able to come in and, and compete. Um, you, you can – couple of teams out west maybe even you know we talk about ucla um even oregon i mean mm. oregon's a team that you know they're gonna be looking for a quarterback pretty soon so um i could see him really running an offense like that pretty well i guess um just off the top of my head just a couple of teams maybe maybe ucla or oregon mm-hmm. um but really i mean anyone's gonna be open to bringing this guy in you'd have to think guy with experience um arm strength can run and pretty much has it all. So, I mean, he he's going to have a lot of options. He'll play somewhere. Oh, he's, for sure. Some coach is going to be very, very happy to to get a guy like that. He'll um, he'll do an excellent job wherever he goes. Uh, talking about transfers, uh, surprise move over in Oklahoma State. Senior wide receiver choosing to redshirt the remainder of this season, uh, looking to play next year somewhere else. Uh, Mike Gundy told reporters, and these are student reporters at Oklahoma State, that if anybody were to ask him about that at his uh, weekly presser, that they would not have access to the players and interviewing them. In my mind, uh, that kind of an ultimatum is extremely unprofessional, uh, very poorly handled uh, by Mike Gundy. It's a situation that's you know fairly new and a lot of people aren't necessarily talking about, but they probably should be. You know, with uh, you know you and I uh, being in sports journalism, uh, it's certainly something that uh, we take offense to if you want to go that route struggle with uh but i would like to see oklahoma state at some point uh, whether it's the you know administration human resources the athletic department what have you has got to step in here at some point and take command 
Yeah, Mike, Mike Gundy, I mean, he is the face of that, that school. I mean, Oklahoma State football. You know, he had the mullet. He has that, you know, high persona um, and things like that. Um, it kind of, you know, his, his response there kind of just makes me think that, hey, this is really uh, falling apart right under his feet. Um, you know, he's, he's just a guy that has those outbursts. You know, he's, he's a, he's a high-powered guy. You know, he, he's, he likes to say what's on his mind. He doesn't have a filter, really. And, and, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's concerning, obviously, with players transferring, you know, saying they're going to transfer midseason. Obviously, they're not playing well. This is a program that's been one of the top teams in, in college football, um, for a, a lot of years, especially in Mike Gundy, Gundy's tenure. So, um, it's very concerning, and yeah, I mean, as a, a journalist and reporter, um, for him to come in and, and actually, you know, put that type of ultimatum on on the table, it's 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 it, obviously he's trying to avoid something. You know, he's trying to avoid something, um, and it, it just makes me feel like it's the truth. You know, what's happening? Um, I think I think he's losing control of the team. So Oklahoma State, like you said, they're gonna have to step in and do something about it before he loses complete control of this team. I tell you what, going back to football for one quick point, and the uh, at the national the football uh, national football league level, Eric Reed, a former Pro Bowl safety, just signed a one year deal with Carolina, a guy who played five seasons out in San Francisco. Uh, probably a pretty good pickup for a team like uh, Carolina. You know they've uh, they've struggled from time to time this year. I don't think that they've come out and been what. Uh, I don't think they've met expectations this season on their own right. Uh, right now it's Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey kind of making the show go over there. Uh, maybe a guy like Reed, a veteran presence, a guy who's been at uh, one of the highest levels before. Maybe he's what this defense needs to get on track. I think he, that's a good pickup. I was wondering who was going to sign Reed. Um, a guy who was healthy, you know, he, he, he's pretty productive when he's playing. Um, he just, obviously with the whole... Um, anthem protests and things like that that kind of got um, in his way a little bit um, and teams were kind of afraid to bring a guy like that in um, the Panthers probably just felt like they, they needed they have a need at that position obviously that, that conference um, when you're talking about who's in that conference is a very competitive conference um, and I think it's a, it's, a, it's a really good pickup uh, Carolina has a pretty young secondary uh, Dante Jackson is a guy I really like um, coming out of LSU he's shown he, he could be a really good player um, but other than that, you don't really have a lot of guys with big names. So I think um, him coming in kind of solidifies that defense, gives him a little bit more depth. Um, like you said, it's kind of been like offensive show with Cam Newton and McCaffrey. And, and uh, when we saw those uh, Carolina teams really play at the highest level, make into a Super Bowl and things like that, and, and it's really with all teams. you got to have a good defense. you got to have depth on the defense, and you got to have playmakers, and you got to be able to turn the ball over. And I think he brings that uh, – for Carolina a little bit, so I think it, it, it's a really good pickup. I actually just saw that too, so um, I think that was a good signing for Carolina. That NFC South, to me, is so wide open this year. Tampa Bay is exceeding expectations. Uh, maybe Carolina, Atlanta are not. Uh, New Orleans is still a wild card right now. They're good when Drew Brees is good, as you know he was this past weekend. Uh, when he's not, they're not. Uh, so to me, this is an NFC South that is anybody's game right now, and Carolina is trying to push themselves off the bubble with a move like this. Um, they're a, they're a strange division where they have enough uh, talent there; they can probably get three teams into the postseason if they wanted to. I don't think they will. I'm not even sure they're going to get two. Um, 
in my opinion, I think the NFC North is the best division, and they have the most likely shot of anybody to get three into the postseason. Uh, the West, the East, they're both going to have one. Uh, the South, probably the way things are going right now, will only have one. Um, so right now, I think good move by Carolina. They move themselves off the bubble. Uh, I don't want to say whoever wins that division is the weak link, but right now, I don't think there's a strong one coming out of there. No, I mean, I thought it was going to be New Orleans, and, you know, they've played pretty well, but their defense has been, you know, a shell of themselves. I don't know if a Minnesota miracle or whatever they like to call it really hurt that secondary or something, but you see teams putting up big numbers on them. Tampa Bay went in there and absolutely just, you know, put up a lot of numbers, you know, put up a lot of scores on that team. And then, obviously, with that game with Atlanta, it's another high-scoring game. They were able to outscore them um, in that one, but... Um, right now, I still think it's the Saints' division to lose. Um, but like you said, it, coming out of there, it's what are they going to do against you know a Minnesota or a Philadelphia, you know what I mean, um, or a team like that, or the LA Rams. Um, those are tough teams. I don't see, you know, I don't see Carolina coming to the playoffs and beating any of those teams for sure. Um, so yeah, I, it's just a move. Obviously, a move they felt like they had to make. They have to shore it up, and they're just looking to to do it now instead of later. Before we get to the break, let's transition over to the NBA. Uh, the Jimmy Butler saga still going on over in Minnesota. He wants out of there, and the Wolves want more than anybody's willing to pay for him. Uh, he says he wants to go to Miami. Don't blame him. No, I would I would if I had the chance to go. I'd uh, probably take that, too. Uh, it seems to put to bed reports that he could end up with the Clippers. Uh, this is a superstar caliber player that... Minnesota fans are already feeling discouraged because they feel like their postseason hopes are dismantled. Um, basically, you're left with the 2013 version of the Chicago Bulls over there right now. Uh, so who does Jimmy Butler sign with and for how much? What's a reasonable price? Uh, I, I don't know if there's an answer for that, honestly. I don't, I don't think there's a, an, an answer either. Um, I was thinking more him heading over to Brooklyn. Hmm. The Brooklyn Nets, I think they're a young, up-and-coming team that could pay him, potentially. He's willing to go there. Um, I don't know. What, last time I checked, they had no draft picks, so I don't know what they're doing. Still still uh, from that uh, Boston trade. I don't know if, if they have anything to give them. Um, Miami, obviously a strong a strong team. It's, it's just disappointing because Minnesota's always been that team, you know, with Carl Anthony Towns and company, Wiggins and things like that. They're a good team. Mm -hmm. Um I thought Jimmy Butler would be a really good fit there. I think Tom Thibodeau just kind of wears players down. Yep. Um, I think, you know, and I think that's ultimately what's trying to, what's making him want to leave. Um, but it's just unfortunate, and I can feel for Minnesota fans who thought they, you know, they have this team that could potentially do something um, with, with these young pieces, but now you're losing a defender, a guy that can score the ball, a guy with experience, a vet, um, and it's just unfortunate. Hopefully they can get some for him. But I see Brooklyn, you know, Brooklyn or New York being a team um, it, that could possibly pick him up. Um, obviously, bigger markets like that is what he wants to go to. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if, if he was going to go to Miami, you th think it would happen, have happened by now. Mm -hmm. You know, the uh, Timberwolves fans were disappointed last year, as they should have been, because they had enough roster power to be uh, make a run, at least in the Western Conference postseason. I don't know how deep, but then they sneak in on the last night of the regular season. I know injuries hampered them and what have you. Uh, this is a team that five years ago, I think, uh, if you had the roster they had right now back in 2013, they could be good enough to contend for the Western Conference this year. I think they have a lot of guys that are either past their prime or haven't come into it yet. So there's 
there's a big age gap between a lot of those guys there. Uh, so it's unfortunate a situation for them. Uh, Jimmy Butler's going to make somebody happy, but I think you're right on the money about Thibodeau. I think he's a great basketball mind, but extremely abrasive. Yeah, and I mean, when it keeps happening, keeps happening, keeps happening, obviously there's something something going on there. But to be honest with you, Jimmy Butler, I mean, he's a good player, but he's never actually elevated a team in my eyes. You know, he's been injured, he plays good, but he's not a guy that, you know, you can count on every single night. Um, is he a superstar? I don't you know, he's borderline superstar, I guess, but in my eyes, he's just been always like a, just a solid, a solid player. So is he worth the max deal? I don't know. Um, but yeah, like I said, Tom Thibodeau, unfortunately, um, he's a good guy, you know, obviously gets his team to play defense, but I think after a long time, he's just one of those personalities where players just get, to get tired of it. And uh, that's unfortunate. I think Minnesota, is, they still have a lot of talent, but that Western Conference is so tough. Obviously, LeBron being over there now in L.A., um, the Warriors just seemed, I don't know what is up with this Warriors team. I don't know where they're getting the money. I feel like it's, it's fake. I just don't get it. You're, you're wondering what they're going to do. They're going to have to get rid of somebody. You know, I think it's going to be Draymond Green. I, don't, I think Draymond Green's going to leave. Um, it's not, obviously not this year, but when, when his time comes to get paid, he's one of those guys that's going to go. And who knows if Kevin Durant's going to stay there. I really don't know. I think Clay Thompson's a lifer there, and I think Steph Curry's a lifer there. But that's going to be interesting to see. Um, Oklahoma City's a team that I don't think you know Minnesota could beat just because of Paul George and, and Russell Westbrook. I think Utah's a team that would uh, – I think that would be a good matchup. Utah mm-hmm. and Minnesota, I think that would be a good matchup. But uh, that West is crazy, man. It's a crazy Western Conference. Um, and I think, obviously, when you talk about the Eastern Conference, you've got Boston – they're just a team. I, they're just a team I like, man. Mm-hmm. I just like their players. I went and saw them play in the playoffs last year. Just amazing talent with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Now you got Kyrie back. Obviously, Gordon Hayward's back. I want to see. I really would like to see a Boston Golden State Finals mm-hmm. this year. I think that that would be a great matchup. We'll touch on that a little bit more on the other side of this break. We'll take our last one. We'll have more in the sports pen coming up after this on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Dan Hoops along with Jake Duran of the local CBS affiliate, Channel 3 and Marquette. Uh, final segment here on The Sports Pen for today. We got into the NBA a little bit before the break. I mean, I'm excited for this year for one thing. We're not going to have a Golden State. Cleveland final. We're going to get a little parody this year. Uh, we're both pulling for Boston out in the East, uh, and I think that there's good reason to believe Boston has a shot at winning the East. I mean, that team looks scary. Kyrie has uh, kind of put to bed trade rumors over the last couple of days. He makes it sound very uh, like he's committed to Boston, which I'm happy to hear at least. Right, yeah, that was a big question coming in. Um, and I was kind of always under the impression, like, why would he want to leave too? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have all this young talent. Um, you know, you can go to New York, but you're very well, young coach, one of the best coaches in the NBA. They're saying he's going to go to New York, which Ben kind of is kind of like this, like place where players go to just, just lose it, you know, Mm -hmm. and things like that. But I think it's going to be, you know, obviously with Toronto, with Kawhi, I don't know. We're going to see. I mean, I haven't seen Kawhi play in so long. I don't even remember how much of an impact he's going to have. I think Toronto's going to be one of those teams. The Milwaukee Bucks, a team that I cover a lot, I think they still have a lot of talent with Giannis Antetokounmpo and things of that nature. So I think they're a team to watch out in the East. I would go all the way saying Boston has a, a good shot to win the whole thing. Mm. 
I mean, they have the team that can keep up with, uh, you talk about scoring-wise with um, the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. I think they have the depth that you want, you know, with the, uh, when you're playing a team like the Warriors. I think they have the length on the defensive side of the ball when you're talking about Jason Tatum, who's basically 6'9", 6'10", very long. Uh, Jalen Brown, who's just another lengthy guy that can play defense when he wants to. And you got the X-Factor in Kyrie, who really can't be stopped. I don't think mm-hmm. Steph Curry can cover him. Uh, you know what I mean? So I think Tatum could really uh, get on Durant and, and play some good defense there. Um, and Gordon Hayward's another guy who's really long, and he's willing to play defense and, and kind of take a lesser role. So um, I'm telling you, I really want that that, that final between Boston and, and uh, uh, Golden State there. But, you know, LeBron's out in L.A. You got Westbrook and Paul George, like I said. Donovan Mitchell took the, the, the league by storm. Don't forget about Philadelphia yep. in the East. I'm just going through all the all the things. You got uh, Embiid still there with uh, with Ben Simmons. So that team's very strong, too. You, you think Boston and Philly are going to have some good games. Um, we hope Detroit can at least get an eighth seed, maybe. Uh, obviously, they'll be a playoff right. team. You think they'll be a playoff I team? Think so. I think they'll be a playoff team, too. I, I think so. they'll, they'll be an eight, eight or seventh seed, maybe. Um, so hopefully. Well, I I don't want to say that they're going to make a run even to the conference finals, but I think Indiana's a team people are sleeping on this year. I think the Pacers could surprise a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, I mean, I'm sleeping on the Pacers, too. I forgot all about the Pacers. Miles Turner's a, a really good player. Uh, it seems like whenever Oladipo's in Indiana, he turns into a, just a superstar. Mm-hmm. So that's another team, a scrappy team. Um, a lot of parity in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I really like it. And I think the gap between the Warriors and and the rest of the league, it, it's still there, but I think it's it's not as wide. I think it's not as wide. I think there's some teams that could probably really, uh, really push Golden State. Will I? Will we see a new champion this year? Yet to remain to be seen. But I think Boston is one of those teams that can do it. I really do. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, but it's Golden State's world, and we're all just living in it right now. If there is any team who can knock off Golden State for the title, it it is Boston. I mean, we agree that it. Boston has the best shot at doing it. Uh, you know, they've got enough. They've got the coaching first and foremost. Uh, they've got the talent there, and they've got the depth, like you were talking about earlier. Uh, not just guys who can score, but they've got defenders as well. Maybe Kyrie doesn't get thrown into that category. Uh, but then you put in guys like uh, Jalen Brown. Uh, they get a few capable big guys. Al Horford really looks like he's ready to take on the role as a center rather than a power forward this year. Uh, Marcus Smart, I think, just flies under everybody's radar. Uh, in my opinion, Celtics actually played worse last year when he was out injured rather than when Kyrie was out injured. Uh, doesn't mean Marcus Smart's better than Kyrie by any means, but he does so much for that team and works well in that system. And then Terry Rozier, if you take out Game 7 of last year's Eastern Conference Finals, he was phenomenal. So yep. I think there's a lot to feel good about if you're Boston. Uh, no reason why they can't pick up a game or two over in the in the finals. I don't know if I want to say win the thing, but people definitely shouldn't sleep on them. Definitely not. And yet, like you said, I mean, those players, ha- those are those gritty type of players that bring some attitude and things like that. I do like Horford. He's a really, he's one of those guys that can stick with that Golden State team. You know, he's not a big, he's a bigger guy, but he, he's light on his feet. He can shoot the ball. Um, so he's really a, an X factor there. Then they just got some, some brutes down there too as well that, you know, are going to make it hard for them to get in the lane. Uh, it's all perimeter defense. You know, they're really going to have to use that length. But like I said, they have it. You know, if 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 you want to assemble a team that can really go after the Warriors, I think it's the Celtics. And then you got players who can drop forty. You know, three four players who can drop forty on any given night there at Boston, just like Golden State. So, um, and they're going to take the next step with a year of experience together. So, it's going to be good. I'm, I'm I'm excited, but definitely on that Boston bandwagon. Mark it down right here. Boston is going to the finals out of the East. They might lose in seven games. 
I like it. There it is. I like it. Uh, last thing before we sign off. A uh, lot of people are still not convinced that the Lakers will even be a postseason team with LeBron. I look at this team. I, I mean, if they get in, they're going to be a five through eight seed at best. But I just don't see how they don't get in. I mean, I it, LeBron knows how to make the playoffs, and he just won't let his team not make it. Uh, but besides him, I think they've got enough capable role players there to at least get in as a bottom seed, maybe get bounced in the first round. But to me, they get in. What about you? I have, I'm going to agree. I think they do get in in that lower half of the West. I think people are forgetting what LeBron actually does to teams. Um, I know he's he's reaching older age and things like that, but um, they're going to get they're going to get renewed uh, a re energized view of of LeBron. I think LeBron comes in, he's going to come in energized. He's going to come in playing in LA. I mean, it's showtime. It's a very historic franchise. Um, so LeBron's going to go out there and he's going to put on a show. I think this, that's where he's at right now. He wants to put on a show. He wants to build his businesses. And obviously he's going to try to lead this team as far as he can. Um, LeBron's one of those guys who looks at things, um, the bigger picture of things. And I think he feels, obviously his record in the finals hasn't been great. But, I mean, if you can bring a title or two titles to L.A., um, you know, I think that cements his legacy. I mean, he already has a great legacy, but I think that, that puts him uh, even higher up on that food chain there. Um, but the way LeBron talks, I think he still obviously thinks it's still a year or two out before he's even thinking a contender. So he's at least having a realistic approach to it. But I do think they get in, and I think they make some noise. I would want to face the Lakers in the first round. LeBron James, no. I mean, you got to remember, this guy's one of the best players to ever play, and I don't think he's lost that much of a step from last year. Jake Duran of CBS Channel 3 here in Marquette, our guest for today. Thanks so much for being here. As always, appreciate it. We look forward to having you on again soon. Thanks for having me, man. It's, it's been fun. All right, that's Jake Durant once again of CBS Channel 3 in Marquette. Our hour is up. We're back at you tomorrow, 4 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Central on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Signing off from the ESPN Studios, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette, I'm Tanner Hoops. Here's the Will Kane Show.